Welcome back to The Outright Effect, a podcast in which unique perspectives challenge us to be better versions of ourselves. We're two ambitious women who talk about how we like to stretch our creativity and work on self-growth to become better people. I'm Tempsey. And I'm Shelly, and today we have brought back a special guest. Carol Sorbonne has been on our podcast a couple of episodes um, so far. I think this is the third time that we're having you on here. But last time we talked about moving to a new country and Carol's experience with that, and we kind of you know got into some of those details. But today we want to talk more about transitioning from one job to another, changing career, why folks out there might be going through this kind of transition in their lives. And um, Tempsey and I had a really good chat with Carol about these types of topics, and we thought we would bring her on and we could all discuss this a little bit more. Yeah, welcome back, Carol. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you, ladies. We love having you on, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've all gone through career changes, moved, you know, even if it's not a career change, you know, moved to different companies. And I think depending on where you are in, your, in the stages of life, you either make the decision on a whim or you have put a lot of thought into it. And I think we're all at the point where if we were to make a, a career change or move companies, I think there's definitely a lot more thought that goes into that. And I, one of the biggest things that comes up for me is you got to get super clear on your why, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because we're talking about, we're talking about making a change in your, in, in kind of the the lane of your life, the career lane, right? But just recognizing that that change is gonna have impacts in all sorts of areas of your life. So really understanding your why is gonna help you be realistic and honest about what's gonna actually be the impact of making that change and why. Because if you're making it in isolation around, let's say just money, like I need I need more money or I'm not making enough money, and you're not looking at other factors like maybe you know the current company you're with you you really love the team and you love the work you're doing and really kind of layering in like what's your motivation what's your why for doing this and then you can start to see if where you're thinking about moving or what you're thinking about doing really aligns with that why as opposed to just making it out of you know, the grass is greener over there, or I'm in so much pain in my current position, or, you know, I don't like this so much, you're just trying to get out of something. And so pausing and really thinking about why you're doing it and what matters to you, what your what your goals are, what your values are, you know, what is it that you, you like or you don't like about where you're at and where are you hoping to get with where you're going? Really being conscious and considerate about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I one point that you mentioned earlier was, not just focusing on salary. Yeah, and yeah. And it, I think that's changed over time. I do think there are still people who focus on a bump in salary, like the next the next step that's gonna get them to that next level in, mm -hmm. their, in their salary. But I think times are a change in or have been changing and people see that there is more to your life or your work life than just what you get paid. There's so many different variables that can impact your overall happiness because you're at your job a third of your life, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think you bring up a really good point around like with the pandemic, there was a real collapsing in, you know, many people have all, have felt for many years that like work was intruding more and more in life, right? Like you've got a phone, you're getting emails, you're getting texts, you're getting slacks. But when the pandemic hit, like that collapse happened in a very real way, right? Like, like you're, you were no longer going to an office for a lot of people um, in the professional world, you were staying at home and, and you got to kind of see and reevaluate what it was that you, you liked or didn't like. Like, I think a lot of people got some clarity around the fact that I don't like an hour long commute. <laughs> you know, that is not something I'm happy to do having now spent a year to a year and a half not having to do that and getting that time back. So I do think like that's that's one thing to consider that if you're looking at this decision through an incredibly narrow focus, like you've got one lens on like pay, you need to figure out how to put some different, you know, to kind of broaden your perspective and put some different lenses in um, and figuring out how to do that. Like, does it mean having a conversation with somebody like a trusted mentor or an ally that you can, kind of open up and say, here's what I'm thinking. 
and this is why I'm thinking it, what else, what else should I be considering? You know, what am I not seeing in this equation that I need to be thinking about when, when doing this kind of, of a move? Yeah. And I think, I feel like it's been so ingrained in people for so long that a monetary bump in pay is you getting to that next level as mm-hmm. like, as though it's a milestone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are so socialized to think that that is that or like a promotion or like getting more work or something like that, you know, is the thing that we want that, you know, I think we forget, like, what do we actually want, though? And taking a step back and like thinking about that. And oftentimes, depending on who you are and what your situation is, it very well could be money for some people. And it very well could be something else for whoever else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's okay, right? Just depending on what's going on for that person. But I think, you know, it's an interesting thing that I that, you know, as both of you are saying, I have noticed a shift maybe not amongst like personally like people who I know but I've definitely been reading a lot more about it and kind of like seeing that for myself right like no yeah no I I agree with these concepts Mm -hmm. and so I think that's it's interesting and it's something that people are talking a lot more about now yeah it's no longer like the one metric, right? That says mm-hmm. you're, this is good or bad, like making more. There's people I think have really expanded their their view of what the landscape of work really is. Like what goes into that? The, you know, there's the commute, there's the people you work with, there's the actual work you're doing, there's the ability to do it on your timeline. So I think those are all important aspects of work to consider as well as the pay when thinking about that move but also really thinking about you know like what what you said Shelly what do you really want like what do you want from this what are you hoping to get from from this change and having that clarity you know that that inventory of what you're you're wanting is going to make it much easier to uh, evaluate opportunities as they come up right uh, mm-hmm. to see does this really match with who I am and what I want to do and what I want for myself and my life. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in preparation for this conversation, you had mentioned a compass exercise for recalibration. Mm-hmm. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, it's called it's called Compass. It's this free resource. They put a new one out around December of every year. So it's it's designed to be an annual thing, but it really does walk you through your previous year and then has you look forward to the next year and I'm just thinking about it like it's not time bound like it doesn't like you could do it you know the previous 12 months and the next 12 months you know it doesn't have to be January Um, like I think this past year I didn't do mine until March because I just wasn't ready to consider the year I think but it 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 really it really gives you an opportunity to in a structured way kind of inventory your life like okay what is it that was great in, in the area of finances for me? What was great in the past year in the area of my career and my family, my relationships, my hobbies, my learning and growth and development? And it gives you this kind of structured way to really look at and inventory your life as it is right now and how, like kind of how it's been in the past year. And then taking all of that and kind of holding that in your head and those reflections that you had from going through that exercise, looking at what you want for the next 12 months and what you're hoping to get. And I think it's a great way, like if you're looking at making a change, especially if you're making a a change that's not just, okay, I'm gonna be doing the same work in this, you know, in the same industry, but it's gonna be just with a different company. But like, let's say you're thinking about making a change in terms of the type of work you're doing, you know, whether it's, moving into being an entrepreneur or moving into a different type of work altogether. Like maybe you're in sales and you want to go into, you know, data analysis or something. I don't know. But it's a great way to help you kind of put your finger on what it is you want in the various areas of your life. And then you can start to see, like I said, how how do the opportunities in front of you align with that and support it or how do they complicate it, right? If it's something you really want, if you really want to move into data analytics from sales, you know, maybe your finances are going to take a hit, but that's okay because you really want this change in, in career. And so it gives you an opportunity, I think, to, 
to reflect on the past and really open your eyes to what's coming and what you need to be thinking about if you make that change. I think that's a great exercise. I would love to do it, but I think I would end up like delaying on it because it's a lot of thought that goes into thinking through the previous year and I have a horrible memory as it is. <laughs> and then looking forward to the new year and, and yeah. you know, what changes or differences can I see? So that would be tough for me, but I think it's definitely important, especially when you're trying to plan for your future. Yeah. Well, and I think, so I'll give you the, the thing that I do, Tempsey, is, is I don't rely on my memory. And I think they even have this in, in the workbook. They're like, take out your calendar and take out your phone where you took pictures and go through. And so that's what I do. I sit down and it's, it's a fun exercise, like to sit and do, you know, I make myself coffee and put some music on and, um, and I look back at my calendar and be like, Oh, that's right. That was, you know, that was the month that I, I started this thing and I did this and Oh, those pictures. And it just kind of reminds you. So there's, there's a, there's some ways you can kind of support your memory in that reflection process. Um, and so I do funny. that. That's a yeah. good idea. That's <laughs> yeah. a great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I also hear of people who like, let's say, for example, like keep a physical planner or something like that, right? When they're mm -hmm. coming up to the yeah. end of the month, they're like using a page or a section of a page just to kind of like jot things down as they have remembered or reflecting on the month. But that doesn't mean that one has to wait until the month is over. You know, they someone could just be jotting things down as it's like coming to their mind in the middle of the week somewhere, you know, yeah. in, in their like designated notebook or whatever. I think that's so funny. And it's so funny that you mentioned pulling up your calendar and pulling up pictures because like for me, once something is done, it's kind of done, you know, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. the things that I keep in my mind are things I still need to do. And so I do go back and like, look at it like, Oh yeah, I ate that. Like I went to that place and I ate that thing or like, <laughs> that's what I was doing like in January. Like, yeah. I mean, I think for, for people who are taking like pictures often of like whatever, you know, wherever they're going and of whatever they're doing, like, I think that is a great way. Like, and, and pictures just help jog the memory easier than even like notes sometimes like written notes. Personally, yeah. I feel like pictures are easier yeah. for me. You're unintentionally keeping a log. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think the other thing about it too is, we are kind of victims to whatever emotional state we're currently in. And I, I mean that in the best possible way. Like if you're, if you're happy and you're content about things, we often think forwards and backwards in, in a way that like, okay, the past was good and the future will be good. And if we're in a miserable state, we can oftentimes color the past and the future with that miserable paintbrush. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at things like your calendar and your pictures it, it takes you out of the current space you're in. So if you're like, if you're thinking about changing a job because you hate where you're working right now and you don't like what you're doing or you don't like your boss or whatever, you can paint with a very broad brush in ways that can get you to some not so great decisions, right? So it, in some ways that exercise of looking back and using those tools of your calendar and pictures can bring some some more objectivity to like the reality of what you were experiencing at that time. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. It's not all bad. It's not all good. It's mm -hmm. it's life. It's mixed up. You know, it's got it. It's got it. It's got a lot of this and a lot of that. And then, what do you actually then want for the future? If that's if that's the case, right? So, what are some other considerations should be made for making a move? We talked about reaching out to coaches and mentors and things of that nature to get support, which is really important. But what are some other things that you feel like are really important to consider? Yeah, I do think talking talking to people is important, but I would put a caveat on it. I've, I've known people, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it myself, where you it, it's like you're, you've turned into a poll taker, right? You go around and are taking a poll, like, do you think I should do this? You know, And instead of doing the work you maybe need to do, which is to kind of get quiet and reflect and do some of that inventorying, right? And so you kind of go on this tour of like asking people for input. And that can make you feel good, but it doesn't necessarily get you to the place you need to be in terms of knowing yourself and what you really need and want to do. So I, I would say, definitely talk to people, but be selective, you know, and talk to people that you trust and that you know you know, either your interests in mind or like your 
can be objective and help you see things that maybe you're not seeing. Because I know it, sometimes when you're getting ready to make a move, there can be a lot of wishful thinking. There can be a lot of magical thinking about like, oh, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be this. I'm going to be so much better. I'm going to be so different in this new space, in this new job. And, you know, just having, having a, a trusted, kind of a trusted thought partner on some of this can be really valuable. So I think that's good. And then in terms of, you know, other things to consider, I, I do think like once you do get to a place of knowing, okay, I do want to make this move, really looking for what what's going to help you with that, right? Like what's going to help you make that transition in the best possible way? So how do you, I always think about like, how do you set yourself up for success? Not only when you get there, but when you leave and when you're going, like all of those things. So really thinking about, you know, if you're leaving an organization, how do you do that well? How do you build bridges and continue to have relationships with people into your new role? And, you know, what do you need in the interim between one role and the other to set yourself up for success for starting the new one? So for some people, that looks like taking a week off, taking a couple weeks off. I mean, I've talked to some people that have taken, like they use it as this opportunity to, to, to take an extended period of time off that they would normally never have to be able to do. And, you know, really thinking about what you need and what could set you up. And also balancing, obviously, the new organization you're going into, like what do they need, right? Because you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot. But you, But being mindful of that, and some people will come in to that final negotiation around, you know, salary and starting dime and stuff like that with an understanding, you know, they shared with the organization that they have a trip planned and they're, and that trip planned is really just for them to have a break between one, one role and the other to prepare and get ready for that next role. So that's, I think one thing. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Just giving yourself, giving yourself breathing room. Cause we, so like we go from one thing to the other and big changes they have an impact on you. And oftentimes, if you don't give a space for that impact to land and, and you managing it, it, it can land in other ways. It can land in, you know, you get burnt out or exhausted or you're just not pacing yourself, right, for this new role. Shelly and I, I think we had talked a while ago about the fact that we had never thought to do that until later in our careers you know, in later career transitions of like taking time off. And even then, like when I did it, I think my last, very last transition, I was like a week, what am I going to do? And then I just filled all kinds of stuff I needed to do at home in there and did not rest at all. That's just the whole point. (laughs) That's a really good point. Like getting the time off, it doesn't necessarily, depending on your personality, mean you will actually use it in a way that is intended. So being intentional about maybe how you're going to use some of that time too, to like, whether it's disconnect, rest, you know, in some cases, like spending that time taking care of home stuff may be what needs to needs to happen to to really make you feel relaxed about going into your new role. So it kind of just depends on the person. Yeah, that's true, too. And it's so funny, because I will honestly say I've never really like, taken a break to do nothing between jobs like honestly I wasn't but at the same time too I wasn't trying to you know um I feel like the reasons why the breaks were there was because of you know an organization's process with onboarding and so the day I was leaving and the day I was starting the next one there were gaps between because of those processes in place and so I was almost like forced to and it wasn't very long, like a few days or something like that, take those days off. But I, I use them purposefully for something else. You know, like I yeah. thought to myself, like, these are the days I'm going to be working on things for my YouTube channel, because when else do I get a chance to like be off on a Monday or something like that, you know? And so that that's what I did with that. And I don't, I mean, I'm also not against doing that either. I was like, yes, I got it done. Um, and I felt good about it. <laughs> So I think, you know, it is that time to do whatever, you know, help somebody feel like they got out of a break what they wanted to. But it's one thing that I kind of want to go back to that you're talking about, Carol, is sort of like the thought about talking to people and how that's important when you're making a um, transition. But the thing that I felt like I had done at some point is being the pull taker you know, and, and how taking the poll then made me think things about the job that I was going to, right? Like, 
I feel like other people's opinions played into me thinking it was like, for example, a good idea or, you know, whatever the case was. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, that definitely happened to me. I feel like when I was younger, you know, when I was like earlier on and finding a new job, making transitions and things like that. But it's, I think it's funny because as time passed and I would like, you know, be the poll taker, like, you know, want to talk to people about it. Like, what do you think about this? And then, you know, some people are like, oh, well, this, well, that. And I was the one also kind of being like, well, hold up. That's not what I want to do. Like, you think that's what's going to happen to me there? And you think it's a good idea? I'm thinking it's not a good idea. <laughs> and so I think it's like interesting, the conversations that may or may not like, you know, come out of doing something like that, like going through the process or the exercise of like talking to other people about potential opportunities that are coming up when you're, when someone is trying to make up their mind about making the move forward or holding off. Yeah. Yeah. The two, two words that popped into my head when you were talking about that, Shelly, that I think can, no matter how you decide to kind of go out and, and, and talk to people to get your own level of clarity, the two words are a curiosity and agenda. And I think like as a person, trying to make a decision, the more curiosity you can bring into the process, the better, right? And the second word agenda is like, is being able to kind of recognize if the person that you're talking to has an agenda. Do they have an agenda for you? Like they think they think you shouldn't be changing jobs. So they, because they don't like changing jobs, right? So mm -hmm. being able to, to kind of suss out when you're talking with people, do they have an agenda for me that's really their agenda, right? That's not right. not what I want. And I think we go back to what, you know, that opening question you had, Shelly, around the why. Like, if you have clarity on, on your why, when, when you are trying to maybe further clarify your thinking on things, that clarity is going to butt up against people's agenda. And you're going to immediately have a, a reaction and know whether or not that's what you want or not. I almost always like have a sense of a strong reaction, right? Like, oh, that's not really what I'm thinking. That's not really what, that's not what really works for me. Um, I love this trick of, if you guys ever done that coin toss trick where like, if you're trying to decide one way or the other and you assign, you know, heads is, heads is I stay in my, my job, tails, I go to the new one. And you flip the coin and you tell yourself, okay, I'm gonna flip the coin and whatever it is, that's what I'm gonna do. No matter what comes up, if you're, you know, if, if you react disappointed or excited, yeah. that tells you something. It's, it's like right. a calibration method. It's like, okay, I'm excited to be moving. You, re you recognize right away that that's the decision you need to make. Or, oh, I'm disappointed that I'm moving. Then you recognize right away that that's a decision you probably shouldn't make. So, so some of it is, is being able to calibrate internally. Um, and you can do that by your reactions to people and how you're you're reacting to what they're saying you should do or what they think is the right thing. It's funny because yeah. when you said the toy, the coin toss thing, I, I hadn't heard of it, but as soon as you started explaining yeah. it, I was like, I, know, I know exactly what she's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. When you said coin toss, I was like, Ooh, it's like the, no, why did I get heads? No. <laughs> exactly. Like there's, there's a way to tap into that that gut part of you that knows what you really want. Right. Yeah. And the, the other, the other thing that I've used to really help with that is the concept of resentment. When I left my last job, that was something I, uh, I had kind of like what I would call a long goodbye. You know, <laughs> I, they wanted me to meet with a bunch of people to make sure I really wanted to leave the organization. And so I had all these kind of chats with, with executives and different things. And it was, it was actually really clarifying because it, it, it helped me kind of do what I wasn't taking a poll, like, but they wanted me to take the poll, right? Like they wanted me to go around and talk to people. And it was really clarifying because I used this idea of resentment. And every time somebody would say to me, oh, you know, Carol, stay in the organization and you can come onto my team and do this with, you know, and I know this is work you're going to enjoy. And, and I would, I would, I would say to myself like, okay, that sounds, I would get excited, right? Oh, that does sound good. I like that. That sounds like a great idea, a great opportunity. And then I would say, okay, am I going to feel resentful? about this decision in three weeks. And I would make myself kind of like live, like mentally think about living with the decision for a certain amount of time. And then, and I always would come to like, yeah, I'm gonna feel resentful because there's still 
there's, you know, the organization I left, there's still going to be this, this, and this that I'm going to have to deal with. And I don't want to deal with that anymore. I don't want to have that in my life anymore. And so that, that was a really powerful directional question I asked myself, am I going to be, cause I don't want to be a person that's living with resentment every day, you know, resentment about the work I'm doing or the time I'm spending or the things I have to do, you know? And that was a really powerful question for me is around resentment. That's a great, a great idea. Now, in terms of getting ready for, you know, the big change, I think one of the things that I tried to do in leaving one of my roles was, well, every role that I've ever been with that I leave is I I make sure that I finish strong. Mm -hmm. But that mostly goes into the work, like making sure nothing of mine could ever come up down the road as, oh my gosh, Tempsey did or did not do this in a negative light. Are there other things that should be considered? Because I feel like I may have focused a little too much on the work. <laughs> yeah, I to- that totally resonates with me, Tempsey, because I the last job that I left, like I had been there almost 11 years and, you know, I was part of the, the, the leadership team. So I felt like there was a lot of things I needed to, to kind of prepare. Like in my mind, I thought like, I just, I want... I want everything wrapped up with a bow on top, right? When yeah. I leave, like I just want it all done. And I was hyper focused on that. I was hyper focused on, you know, what SOPs do I need to write so people know how to do this? Who do I need to meet with and and do knowledge share sessions with so they they understand when this process comes up during the year how to handle it? Really focused on on that part of it. And then I I had a lunch with with a with a previous boss and and he gave me the advice of he's like i know you're going to want to focus on getting everything done and leaving leaving everybody and everything in good hands and he said and you will don't even worry about that that's going to be fine what i would really encourage you to do is focus on the people focus on the relationships you've been there for a decade what are the relationships that matter to you and make sure that you schedule coffees and lunches and take the time to connect with people um not only because it's a great thing to do, you know, like you're you're wrapping up your career here at this company um, and it feels good to connect with people, but also because part of what you need to do as a professional and your responsibility is to build a bridge from one part of your life as, you know, as a professional to another part and that those relationships are are the bridge, right? Like my work is like I have I have my experience and my, you know, the, the things I've worked on, and I'm going to take that with me. Like, I don't, it, you know, I always have that experience and always have that knowledge to take with me. But those relationships, they don't come with me unless I build a bridge to take them with me. And so that was a really big piece of advice. And I'll be honest, you guys, like, I'm so thankful for it because I made, I made the shift out of that career, but then I also moved, I moved away from where I was living for 25 years to a new country. And that, time that I spent in the last month of my working life at that company, having those coffees, making sure those relationships were warm and intact, meant that I could continue to have those relationships when I was living thousands of miles away. And it was Mm -hmm. hugely important for me. I'm not only from just a personal perspective of staying connected, but professionally with my network and keeping that alive and warm and and, um, growing, you know, even though I wasn't living there anymore. So yeah, that's I think cool. that's a yeah. really important one. The other thing is is really kind of looking at what's good about what you're doing right now and your work situation and how can you consciously make sure that some of those things that you really enjoy show up in your current in your not your current but in your new role. So you know, if you if you have certain ways about doing your schedule or there's certain things that are just really working because oftentimes we ask ourselves the question we don't even have to ask ourselves a question. We like, we focus on what's not working and we try and fix it. And we oftentimes ignore what is working. And so I think thinking about what's really working in your current role and making sure you consciously are thinking about bringing that into your new role and how are you going to do that? You know, so like, for example, if, if in your current role, you have a, an arrangement with your manager that you work from home two days a week, like, and this is, you know, pre pandemic and stuff, but like, 
is that something that you need to make sure you you start to have a conversation about or maybe you've already had that conversation you know in the interview process and you want to make sure that the structure is going to be there to support that when you start working so just thinking about the ways that that you like what you're doing and how you're doing it and how do you bring that into your new your new role i think that's important too yeah i definitely agree with that i i think on the flip side sometimes that the things that bring us to, to the decision to leave an organization or make a big career move are considerations to think about in terms of, like for instance, if the reason was burnout, mm -hmm. regardless of, of what led to that burnout, what was, what was my role in getting into the burnout phase? Mm -hmm. And how can I take that into my new role? And, and I, I think part of that is like, self-support or like mental preparation, right? Like here are the things that I, that, that I did in the past that probably were contributing factors. And here's the experiment, right? That I'm going to do yeah. with myself to ensure that, or, or, or try my best to, to not let it happen again. Yeah. I think that's, that's hugely important. And it's, I also want to say it's not always easy to do, right? Because it's like being able to kind of float outside of yourself and see your life, right? And see, okay, where was where was I in this? You know, this equation didn't exist without me. So what was my role? And being willing to look at that. One of my favorite sayings is wherever you go, there you are. Like, it doesn't matter if you, you know, move to a different country or move to a different job or move to a different neighborhood. You're still you. And you still have to contend with all of the, you know, unique, wonderful, frustrating ways that you work, right? That your brain works, that you you react to things. And so I think I'm going to use that word again, inventory, like kind of looking and inventorying, like what what's my role here? Like if I left because of burnout, what got me there? And like for me, I mean, that was something that I looked at too, because I was in a place of, of, of being burnt out when I left my last job. And, you know, one of the things was I realized I have this huge people pleasing part that I, mm -hmm. I have a really hard time putting up boundaries around my work and around my time. Um, and that's something I've got to work on. And I've got it. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it's led, it's led me, um, you know, in my education as a coach and, and getting, getting certified as a coach, it's, you know, that's been a focus of a lot of my, my work in that space is like, how do, how do you set healthy boundaries so that you don't burn out? How do you assert your needs in a, in, you know, to yourself and in an organization, in a family so that, you know, you're, you're heard and, you're able to get what you need in order to not get to that burnout place. So yeah, I think, I think that's usually important, you know, and it's, you know, the, we talked about burnout and like people pleasing, but there's also things like, you know, some people go the other direction and they get angry, right? There's a lot of anger and a lot of, a lot of frustration, intense frustration with situations. And that, that's another place to look like, where's my part in this? Is it because I'm not speaking up at times, you know? So is that something I need to work on in this new role? Like I need to work on being vocal sooner about things that are bothering me. I need to be more um, intentional about not making myself available 24 seven in this new role, set my boundaries. You teach people how to treat you. Um, and so, but in order to do that, you need to know how you want to be treated and what behaviors help teach people. I think that's hugely important. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I was visualizing something really funny when you're, when you just said, Carol, you teach people how to treat you and perhaps you can now relate because you have a pet now. But <laughs> yeah. My dog certainly trains us how to treat him because he likes peace and quiet and he'll get us to leave the room by working <laughs> at us. And so, you know, I think I, but you know, basically what I'm saying is like, I think it's true. And like, clearly my dog's not doing any, I mean, maybe he might be doing some self-reflection. I don't know what's going <laughs> on in his mind, but you know, I think it just kind of is like showing at a very basic level, right? Like at some point we learned to, 
people please or be okay with it or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But if we're kind of down to like the core, building those boundaries and recognizing that our habits are showing people certain things and then then that leads to like expectations and everything right like if we're sending emails at 11 o'clock p.m people are like oh shelly's gonna reply whenever she's gonna get it done even when she's sleeping you know at like two in the morning and so um doing those like being mindful of like those kinds of interactions and what we're putting out there i think is um really important to reflect on, especially when we're noticing those feelings of being like annoyed or, you know, whatever the case might be, burnt out, et cetera. And and how can we help ourselves manage that? Because I feel like I'm hearing more and more these days about like advocating for yourself, like in lots of different ways, right? And I think, you know, that is also a method of like kind of advocating for yourself is to have those boundaries. Cause at the end of the day, we all are the ones who can stand up the most for ourselves, who yeah. can, you know, speak to our needs the best. And, um, you know, that that's all we can do, right? Everyone else is their own person. Yeah. And I think you, you're touching on something. So I, I did my research paper on boundaries with my coaching program. And I learned a lot through doing that. One thing is, is when you're thinking about those boundaries, is thinking thinking about kind of the ways in which maybe you set good boundaries or don't set good boundaries. Like what are the circumstances? Like, do you have issues with time? You know, like you don't have good boundaries around your time. You don't have good boundaries maybe around your your ability to like manage relationships. So thinking, thinking in terms of like, where are boundaries an issue? And, and my theory is like the more areas of your life that you have boundary issues, the more more likely you are to get to a place of frustration and burnout in in any Mm -hmm. given situation because you've got too many fronts in your life where you're not setting healthy boundaries and so you're getting encroached upon all the time. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing is to look at like where, you know, if you're doing this inventory about maybe how you need to do things differently in this new role, what areas in your life do you have healthy boundaries and what areas don't you? And, And even kind of what types of situations. Like maybe you're able to set really healthy boundaries with your family, but you can't do it at work. And so getting curious about that, like, what is it about work? Is it the power dynamic? Is it fear? Like what's underneath that, that that's not making it possible. And then the other thing, and I think you touched on this is like, you know yourself the best. And I think the thing that I got to in, in my research was in order to set boundaries with others, you have to actually set them with yourself and res- and like respect yourself enough to think that the boundaries matter. And so like if you if you are not good at setting boundaries around your time, let's say, I would get curious about whether or not you think your time is valuable enough to 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 set some boundaries around. And that to me goes back to compassion, self-compassion and being compassionate to yourself around around your needs and and what is important to you and and having that be a priority for yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what ends up happening is our priorities don't get, when we don't have good boundaries, it's sort of like we are allowing other people's needs, wants, and priorities to always supersede ours. And that's, I think, where we get in trouble. Like there's always negotiation at work where, you know, there's going to have to be trade-offs sometimes. But when it's consistently that the job wins, you know, that my boss gets what they need and I don't get what I need. That's when it can get into that place of resentment and burnout and anger and frustration, I think. Yeah. So let's say we're now ready to go. We're heading into our new role or we're there, right? We've made the decision. We're there. What are the things that maybe not considerations, but things that might come up, things that will be different that will affect us? Yeah. Like, is, I mean, there, it, is there like a professional culture shock? Yeah, that's, I think we, yeah, I think that's a great way of saying it, Tempsey. Cause I think, you know, the last time we chatted about this, we talked about when you move, you know, move like to another country, like there's culture shock. And I think there is professional culture shock. Cause you have to remember, like you're moving from one organization to another that those organizations have, it's like their own society, their own set of values and their norms. And even just thinking like nuts and bolts, like the physical space, 
you're going from a place where you know where everything is and you know all the people and you have this familiarity to a place where you don't you know like you don't even know where the bathroom is on day one usually you know <laughs> and so so being just just having some awareness around the fact that okay this is going to be new and i need to give my i need to cut myself you know some slack because it's probably going to be a little bit more energy draining right like when you're in a new space and and meeting new people and trying to take all this stuff in you're actively like your brain is is active the whole time you're not on autopilot anymore like you're constantly learning and and taking new information in so being you know being compassionate with yourself that like you might have more exhaustion in the first you know couple weeks to a month of this new place just kind of getting getting used to it but I think also going back to that place of curiosity, this is also an opportunity to to not try and get into autopilot, but to be really curious about what you're seeing and and what's happening and using that place of this is new to actually um, get curious, ask questions, get to know everything in a way that that is going to help you succeed in that space. Going back to what what you were talking about, Shelley, with the dog, because I I we have new we have a new puppy, and and like you see them like when they go into a new space, they don't just sit there and go like, okay, this is a room like any other room. They like smell everything. <laughs> like I mean, he found he found like dust bunnies I didn't even know existed because he'd like shove his nose into the crevice of something, you know. And and it's like that, you know, being that kind of new, you know, you're in a new environment and there's a lot you can take in and there's a lot you can learn and understand if you're being curious and alert to that new space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> my my um I I had this like you know those reusable grocery shopping bags I had like chips in there because like I had bought like a one of those big Costco boxes of chips and now it was you know it was lower in the box I'm like I don't need this box anymore let me get rid of it I'll put it in the shopping bag my dog went in there and I was like you need to get out that's not for you <laughs> Yeah. We do not eat, give chips to dogs here. <laughs> but <laughs> but and I'm reminded of this. Um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a saying or not. But like, I, it, interested people are interesting. You know, like when you're mm-hmm. in a new space, if you're showing interest in something, and you know, you you know, part of what you're considering in this new, you know, this new role and this new organization you're in is building relationships, right? Like you just left a place where you had relationships and you need to build relationships. And that that capacity to be curious and interested is like it's like reaching your hand across to somebody and then they take your hand, right? Like if you don't show that interest, it's like you're not really ever putting your hand out and extending to create that relationship. So showing that interest and being curious. Um, about about people, about what they're doing. Like everybody's going to want to know about you, but it's also like it's 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 reciprocal, and you can really get a lot out of asking people some really you know just great questions that you're showing how curious you are about who they are and what they're doing in those in those beginning spaces because you're making that first impression with everybody, right? And it's like oh mm-hmm. oh Shelly's this really she's really interested in things and she's she's curious about me and my work and I like that feeling and people then start to have this warm feeling about working with you because you're 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 showing interest in what they're doing not just in who you are yeah and I I would definitely say that I have you know as you're mentioning like company culture shock we're talking about that for a little bit I that has definitely happened to me and I feel like I am that person to like look at my surroundings and ask those questions like like let's say you know there are companies that I've worked worked for that have like little areas for employees to like either hang out in or whatever and like me being like does anyone actually hang out there you know it was like my question right like yeah. especially during a time where in the past couple of years for example like not a lot of people are in the office so if somebody were to see nobody there they'd be like is this too sure is it because there's a pandemic you know um versus somewhere that's like bustling has everyone around all the time you can like see it a little bit better and i think you know sometimes companies do have those places where it's like we thought this was a great idea we set it up and then nobody used it so i i think you know whenever i am in a new company or a new environment i do ask those questions because i'm kind of like i mean what if i want to use it but i see nobody using it i'm that weirdo that goes and like (laughs) tries things out i want to know if it's like normal i don't want to be like throwing anybody off she okay you know so um 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like it's and it yeah, it is kind of being curious too to just kind of know to orient yourself to to what the expectations are. Not to say that mm-hmm. you're all, you have to follow those expectations, but to know like what's the norm. So like if you want to complicate them or do something different, at least you're doing it knowing what it is you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I've noticed in starting in new roles is that the way that I had previously worked or organized myself (laughs) are no longer working (laughs) in the new space. Mm. So I've had to, and I I think, you know, that can probably be assumed, but not in all cases, right? Like if you're moving to a new company that, but you're doing the same kind of work, then you might think that the pace is the same and the way that they do things are the same, but it's not always the case. And so Sometimes you can just be trying the same exact organizational system and structure that you had your whole life, but it's not working. Something's not clicking, right? And so I've noticed that I've been much more intentional about adjusting my organizational process, whether that be note-taking or making sure tasks get done on time or whatever the case might be. And so what maybe had applied previously may be much different in a new role or a new business or in a whole new career. Yeah, that's a really valuable thing to think about because you, you we've talked about the fact that like you're going, if you're going into a new place, there's going to be new constraints potentially, right? New freedoms, new constraints. So there's, you know, there's a new culture you're going into. And maybe some of the ways you worked just because of that cultural change don't work anymore. Just because of the work change, the new expectations, maybe there's more constraints on your time or more meetings or things like that. And I mean, I found myself in a place where I have a system of kind of personal structure or productivity that works for me for for a period. And then I find myself really frustrated because it doesn't work anymore. And I keep trying to make it work. <laughs> you know, like I just keep, it's like you keep going back to start and like, okay, let me just, let me just try it again. And that's can be really frustrating if the system itself needs to change, right? If like your approach to how you're doing your work and how you're organizing yourself and your rhythm needs to change. So I think having a, a way to do that, you know, to recognize, okay, this is no longer serving me. So what, what could, what do I need here? And then, you know, trying, like we've used the word experiment, but like experiment, like try it out, see if that works. And if it doesn't, then keep trying something until you, till you land on, this is the, this is the way I can organize myself and set my day up and my rhythm. This is the structure that works for me here. But then also just recognizing that like things change, seasons change, you know, even like kind of work cycles and, and things like that can come in and just know that you may need to, you need to adjust. One of the things I wanted to share with you guys, there's this program that I use around my health and food. They have this concept called resuming and it's with a Z, R-E-Z-O-O-M. It's like, if you, if you fall away from what you've been trying to do, you resume and you get back to it fast. And, and the, the lady that runs that program, she talks about kind of four factors, speed, self-talk, social support and seeking a lesson. And I think I love it because it's it's not only applicable for like my health and the diet that I'm on and wanting to get back to those things, but it's true in so many other ways. Like if I set up a new system for myself and I fall away from it, like let's say I have a new system where I'm going to walk every morning and I'm going to do this and I do that. Like the likelihood of me not doing that consistently is high, right? Like there's, you know, we're not going to be, we're not robots. It's not going to be perfect. But the more important thing is is not being perfect, but getting back to it as quickly as we can when we realize we're off track. And I think that's true with our personal like productivity systems is like, what's what's going on here? Like getting back to it as quickly as you can, how you talk to yourself and you kind of create the the way you're feeling about it, I think is one thing. And if you need more support, maybe you need some support around it. Maybe it's it's something where you need to talk to somebody about, can we not do meetings? on Monday morning first thing, because that's your time when you do your planning or something. But I think the the biggest one that I always learn is like seeking the lesson. Like, what is it that I need to learn from this? And that's oftentimes can give you the clues of whether or not this system is really usable anymore in your life. And do you need to change it? Because we love our systems, right? We get we get kind of, or I, I guess I should say strategies. Like we love our strategies and they can be, you know, systems of what we're doing. And we can fall in love with one strategy and one system. 
so much to the point that when it quits working, we don't want to give it up. <laughs> you know, it's like we spend a lot of time setting this up. And so just being willing to look at, is there something here that needs to change? And if you're moving from a new company and potentially to a new type of work, there's a lot that's probably going to need to change. So you're going to need to adjust and be flexible and, and, and evaluative in what you're doing to see if, if you want to and what you need to change. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I've definitely noticed that for myself, being in a totally new place, having new types of work and like adjusting what I used to do, like how I used to take notes, how I used to like structure my day or whatever the case might be, you know, like things that help me stay on track and really trying other things because the work was so different. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that just occurred to me, like, we're really talking a lot about people who do what they call, you know, thought work, right? Where it's, it's not like you're making a widget, you know, or you're putting a bike together. It's this, this type of work that, that nobody really gives you the, the structure for how you need to do it. You have to create your own. And, and I think that's just, just owning that, owning that as a responsibility, as, as part of your responsibility as a professional, in whatever work you're doing to create your own structure and create your own way of, of doing it and evaluating it and adjusting as needed. So you don't mm -hmm. get stuck in a rut. You don't get way off track. You don't get overwhelmed because suddenly the work has changed, but you haven't changed the way you're working. Like I, I and I'm guilty of that. Like I, cause I, I love, you know, Tim C and I have talked about this where like love setting up, you know, processes and systems, but they're only as good as, as how responsive they are to the reality of the world that they're there to support, right? And right. so if your system is not responsive to the changes in your life, you're gonna get to a place of frustration or you're gonna see your, your quality or your productivity go downhill because it's not working anymore. Yes, absolutely. So flexibility is definitely key and you always wanna make sure you're catering to the new experiences and the new role and the new tasks that you're going to be doing. So that's, I think that we've talked a lot of, about a lot of great ways to kind of move away from a current role you might be in and going into a new role and how to navigate all of that really successfully. So I really want to thank you, Carol, for coming on and, and talking with us about this. Your, your thoughts and your contributions are just so valuable. And, and we appreciate the time you take to, to meet with us and get information out there to those listeners of ours who could be definitely in this this period of life where they're trying to figure this out or on the fence of, should I leave this job? There's aspects that I like and aspects that I don't like. And I think this really gives a real holistic outline or even some sort of like a playbook of what you can work through to make sure or, or really try to make sure you're you're making the right decision. So thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Carol. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, I, I love, I love how, how we kind of veer into some things and, and get, get to kind of what's underneath a lot of this stuff. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of The Outright Effect. You can find us at theoutrighteffect.com. Follow us on our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at The Outright Effect. You can also reach out to us by emailing us at theoutrighteffect at gmail.com. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye.